Revelation chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants. I want that word to stick out in your mind as we go today. His servants. Things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. So a messenger gave these things unto John, and John was supposed to give it to his servants. But this is ultimately what God the Father gave unto Jesus Christ. It's the revelation. Revelation, reveal, that's, that's making something known. Or revelation, we can also consider that it's speaking of the coming of the Lord. He said, I go away, I'm coming back, right? Those men in Acts chapter uh, 1 that appear to be angels, you men of Galilee, why stand you with your faces up in the sky? The same Jesus who went away is coming back in like manner. Who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth. Okay, so we're going to get into this. Blessed is he that readeth. And they that hear the words of this prophecy. And keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. So we'll be looking at verses 10, 11, and the first part of verse 12. So read with me, Revelation chapter 1, verses 10, 11, and the first part of verse 12. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard a, behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Who must that be? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And then there's a period there, and he says, And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. But we're going to start, end rather, at the, at the A part there of verse 12. With the focus of the message tonight, the recipients, the recipients. So we've gone along, we've done the setting, we've done a couple of the settings, we've done the purpose of the book of Revelation, we, we've done the author, remember it says that, uh, you know, that from Jesus Christ, who, 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 uh, who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, verse 4. Now we're looking at the recipients a little bit finer, and we've touched on this, but we're going to see it a little bit finer, okay? So we got to ask ourselves, um, as was asked in the New Testament, what do we have that we did not receive? Okay. So what did these seven churches have that they did not receive? Well, knowing that it's the Lord's revelation, they received a revelation from the Lord. I mean, that makes obvious sense, right? But think about what that must mean if it's if it's a revelation from the Lord. Okay, so the first recipient of this book is John, okay? You look at it again in verse 11, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and last, and what thou seest write in a book. So before those seven churches can receive the book, John was going to see and receive and then write it in a book, Okay? So follow the pattern of the recipients here. So what do we know about John? We know that John, the beloved, the same one that wrote the gospel according to John 
and first and second, third John, we have gathered pretty firmly that he is a saved person. And he wasn't saved uh, by anything that he had learned or anything that he had done. In John chapter 1, it says, John chapter 1, and verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So John, being a born-again person, was born of God. Okay? He wasn't born of what he knew or what he thought he knew or what he worked out in the flesh. So the Lord's revelation, the Lord revealed unto him salvation first and foremost. Okay? So if someone is going to be a recipient following this pattern, if someone's going to be a recipient of the book of Revelation, they must be a saved person. And that follows the pattern of the entire Bible. This is not a book or a series of books put together as what we know the Bible written unto unsaved people. This is a book unto salvation. These things have I written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you might have life in his name. But it's written unto salvation. So the Lord's revelation, the Lord himself saved John. Okay? The Lord himself also discipled John. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, He's walking along there, and he calls two brothers, Peter and Andrew, and then he calls James and John, these two brothers, these fishermen. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. So the Lord, the Lord saved him. The Lord discipled him. He, he taught him. That's consistent with what we read in John chapter, um, John chapter 6. So just as much as John was saved by God Almighty. He was also taught and discipled by God Almighty. I wasn't called by the voice of Jesus Christ out of a fishing boat, but I am taught of God. It says in John chapter 6 and verse 45, it is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and have learned of the Father cometh unto me. So he was saved by the Lord. He was discipled by the Lord. He was compelled in service in the Lord. Verse 9, I, John, who am also your brother, saved and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was an isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So the Lord himself gave John this, this movement of service. We're going to see this applied, and we stressed it in verse 1 as we read it. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants. So God saves his people. This, the recipients of the book of Revelation are saved people, discipled people, compelled people, okay, people who are drawn of God unto service. They're also spirit-led people. In verse number 10, John, prior to receiving, and we covered this last time, John, prior to receiving this, this revelation, prior to being the first recipient, he was in the spirit. So the spirit of God, the, the Holy Spirit, the, a, a, a portion of the Trinity. So the recipients of this book 
would be saved by the Lord, discipled by the Lord, compelled by the Lord in service, and spiritually led of God. It was the Lord that spoke to him personally. The Lord does not speak to me the revelation. The Lord spoke to John the revelation and guides us by his spirit in the revealed word of God. It says in verses 10, the second part of verse 10, the first part of 11, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and last, and what thou, John, seest, write in a book. Who is this, the Alpha and the Omega? He is, he was, and he is coming. That's what it says in verse 8. I am Alpha and Omega, Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. He's coming. He was, he is, he is coming, the Almighty. You see also that it was the Lord who turned him. And this is a, a literal thing, but also in the form of repentance, it is the Lord that turns his people. So the recipient of the, of the and you'll see how this plays out in the churches of, uh, of Asia as well. John was facing one way. He was doing one thing and he was turned in verse 12. And I, and I turned to see that voice that spake with me. He was turned. So then, those that would be recipients of this book would likewise be turned. Any recipient then would be passive in the Lord's hand, would be passive in our, we're passive in our salvation, we're, we're passive in the Lord discipling us, we're compelled in him to serve him, and he gives us the want to in that. The recipient of this book will be spirited uh, in, in hearing it. And also that in, in all these in all these things, it's Christ that reveals Himself unto His people. So the recipient then receives things of Christ. Okay. So then He's the primary recipient, and then the recipients to follow. It says in in verse eleven, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. Okay, the seven churches. That's in, so look in verse 13. In the midst, and in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps, or around the chest with a golden girdle. Verse 16. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance, or his face, was as the sun shineth in his strength. Verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So who, who would be the second recipient then of these books? Would be the seven churches. Okay. So each one of these seven churches is a local church. And the particular, name by name, he didn't say unto the church scattered abroad in Asia. He mentioned seven literal, local, particular churches. Each one of these churches had its own pastor, which was in the right hand of, of Jesus Christ. Each one of these had seven sets of problems. Each one had seven sets of directives. Okay, And each one was addressed individually as a, as a, as a church that had individual authority okay so go back we read verses 1 2 and 3 of chapter 1 every time read verse 3 again with me the recipients so john writing 
says, Blessed is he that readeth. Well, who is he that readeth? Is it everybody under every oak tree that ever was? No. It's if you look at these in particular, the seven churches. Chapter 2, verse 1, under the angel of the church of Ephesus, write. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know thy works. So that's Ephesus. And likewise, we could do that with each of the churches. Chapter, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And under the angel of the church of Smyrna, write, these things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive, I know thy works. Chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. And under the angel of the church of Thyatira, write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like unto fine brass. I know thy works. Likewise, chapter 3, verse 1. And unto the angel of the church of in Sardis, write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God, and the seven stars. Again, pastors, I know thy works. Continuing in chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the king key of uh, David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth, I know thy works. And lastly, chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Uh, and unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works. So he that readeth then, by all, by all estimation, would have been the angel of, the, of each individual church. Okay? So the recipients then were the churches. He that readeth then, logically, would have been the pastor of those churches. And they that hear the words of this prophecy logically would have been the churches there in particular. So who then would be to the keeping of those things? Well, what, if you read the book of Revelation, how much of it can we really keep? Chapters 2 and 3 are the parts that we can keep. Okay. Now, you could argue chapter 1 about exercising church authority and exercising ordination of, of office of pastor and that. But there are, there are directives that are given in chapters 2 and 3 specifically to the secondary recipients, these seven churches, each with the individual authority. So why would we go through all that? Okay, Because extensively, extensively, or car, to a larger degree, that is, who else is a recipient of this book? Did this book end with those seven churches? Did the significance of this book end with those seven churches? Well, that would be poor logic. We talked about logic before, right? So if, if, if this ended, if the prophecy of this book ended with these seven churches, then we would you'd be saying also that these words were taken away from the modern church era and the Lord Jesus Christ said he would be with his church until the end of the age. Okay. It says in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 19, if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy. So if anybody says, you know what, that doesn't apply anymore. God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So I will not dare say that the relevancy of this book ended with the seven churches which are in Asia. So what, would, what conclusion can we come to then? 
that extensively or having a, to a larger degree, those that have things in common with John and with these seven churches would likewise be extensively recipients of this book. Okay. So look in the book of Colossians, if you would. Colossians chapter 4. So Paul, writing to the church of Colossae, it was understood many times that when a letter was written, that it would be shared. Okay. So in the book of Colossians, there is a portion where Paul addresses the church of Laodicea. Okay. So Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea. The Colossians, the church of Colossae, was to salute the church of Laodicea and Nymphus, and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, calls that it be read also in the church of Laodicea. So this is a letter written to the church of Colossae under the, under the, uh, the, the influence, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by the Apostle Paul under the church of Colossae, but it was also to be read in the church of Laodicea. We don't have a book of Laodiceans. We have a book of Colossians, right? But they would have received the same book. So why would they why would they be able to share this letter with them? Because they had a bunch of things in common. Okay? Specifically, a group of saved people known as a church that were formerly organized under authority, and they 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 would share the same truths. And then you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. So why would Paul take the trouble to write to the Laodiceans? And also write to the Colossians, but write them different things that they would share it among one another. Because principally, as recipients, having certain things in common, they could share the same information and get the same thing out of it. If that were not true, then any epistle, any letter written to one of these churches, it wouldn't benefit us. We couldn't read the, the, the book of Colossians because it would be written for the church of Colossae, and therefore, it's not for us, and therefore, we don't need it. But because there are things in common as recipients, then it logically maintains, being the Word of God, that it would apply to those who have those things in common. In other words, if it's true for one group of people, if they have something in common, it's true for the other group of people. Okay. So what did they have in common? This local church, these seven local churches that were in the, the New Testament here, the, the, the book of the Revelation. They were local, they were independent, they had authority. Okay? And it's the greatest institution known among man. It really is. It's the greatest institution the world has ever known. Greater, greater than the temple, greater than Congress, greater than everything. The Lord's assembly is the greatest institution revealed unto man. And to say that the, Lord, that the Revelation is written to all in general then would, to be remo- would be to remove the importance of the Lord's assembly. Okay, so backtrack. Think again. Who was this written to? Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. I, John, who am also your brother. So it's written to saved people. Okay, 
and companion in tribulation. It's written, it's written to servants, save people who are living like it. Okay, there's no tribulation going on for people who are going according to the course of this world. Not biblical tribulation. Persecution, that is. But someone who is saved, someone who's living like it, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. Someone in that kingdom. Remember, we studied a couple weeks ago. The kingdom, as he is, is spoken of now, is, is talking in a church sense. In the book of Matthew, we read that, that the, from the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom has, has suffered violence. The kingdom. Speaking of the Lord's church. So who is this written to? John, a saved man, disciple of God, compelled in Christ unto good works, led by the Spirit. He was a church man. Shared unto saved people who were discipled by God Almighty in the Spirit, compelled in service in Jesus Christ and church people, the recipients. To say that the revelation is only written to the seven church would mean the same for every epistle. It would also mean it has no true relevance for us today. It would also mean that, that, that there's very little of the New Testament we can really hold on to because there's other groups that say that the, the gospels are written to the Jews. So if you take away all the epistles or the letters to the, to the churches, and the, the, the formal letters from one man to another man and the Gospels, what do you have left in the New Testament? No, but because these are written to, to people who have things in common, then they can be commonly read and commonly believed and commonly held to. Those things that are common and relative, again, verse 9, saved, companion in the kingdom, patience, and persecution of Jesus Christ. Extensively then, this is written to saved, active, and obedient members of the Lord's assembly. Okay? So Lex, Jill, Debbie, Gary, Nelda, raise your hands. Saved, active, obedient members of the Lord's local, independent, authoritative body. That's us. <laughs> right? Who's it written to? You can say it out loud. It's written extensively to me. I'd, I'd like for you to say that out loud. It's written extensively to me. Okay. So to a larger degree. So he didn't say write this to Lexington. He didn't write it. He didn't say write this to Old Joe. But those who are have those common characteristics, this book is written to us. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must surely come to pass. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things. Saved, active, obedient members of the Lord's assembly. Local, independent, authoritative. Which things are written therein for the time is at hand. So when you think, oh man, uh, you know, by, by the will and power and purpose of God, I am a recipient extensively, again, not directly, extensively or to a larger degree or covering a larger area. By things in common, I am a, a, an extensive, indirect recipient of the book of Revelation. Then we should take that. Uh, we should take it to heart. So then, as we go through and, and, and we've studied the seven churches before. 
But as we go through such instruction as these in the seven churches, just as much as the instruction was written to Ephesus or Smyrna or Thyatira or any of the rest, we should take those things personally, specifically, as they're written that we are the recipients. If there are things that we are are in need of correcting, that we correct them. If there's things that we are not in need of correcting, then we keep a mindfulness that they do not become issues for us. If there are directives in repentance, then we are to take those things personally, not pointing at one or the other, but taking those things personally for for ourselves. And what are they the recipients of? Okay, so so just as much as John was a recipient of salvation, discipling of of God, compelling in the spirit and servitude and, and receiving this word, and the churches were also, and the Lord Jesus Christ himself, reiterates that verse 7 for example chapter 2 and verse 7 he that hath an ear well who has an ear save people let him hear let him be discipled or taught what the spirit a spiritually compelled saved person saith unto the churches you see how that's reiterated every single with every single letter to every single church He's writing to saved, discipled, spirit-compelled church members. So then, as the church of Laodicea would have received this book, no doubt they had some scribes, and they were probably writing to the church of Colossae. Say, hey, look, man, we just heard the most important thing. that we're, we, just, we just got a, a book from God. You've got to read this stuff. It's amazing. And so it is with us today. We should receive it as though it is written for our benefit. It is written for our admonition. It is written for our encouragement. Whenever we read in in chapter 21 that God Almighty is going to wipe away all them tears, we should read those things for our encouragement. Why? Because we we have things in common with the primary recipient, John, and the secondary recipients. So then we are the extensive recipients recipients of this book what else do the recipients have in common again it 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 reiterates all these things verses 19 and 20 we already read write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter things that he has seen as in chapter one the things that are and i've got this written down in my bible just so it clarifies for me when he says write down which thou hast seen In chapter 1, verse 19, that's chapter 1. What he saw was the Lord Jesus Christ, and his hair is all white, and and his his eyes are like a flame of fire, his feet are as fine brass, the voice of many waters, all that stuff. Chapter 1. The things which are are in chapters 2 and 3. And the things which shall be hereafter. Chapters 4 through 22. Okay, So that's, that's really the dividing out of the book of the Revelation. So the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in thy right hand and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels, are the messengers, are the pastors, of the seven churches, those that, that read. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches, those that, that hear and keep the words of this prophecy. So then, those that extensively are the recipients of this book, while not every church has a pastor, Right? There's times where churches go periods of time without a pastor. 
but there are messengers in those churches. You, without a church without a messenger or one that is deliberating the word of God, uh, you won't find one. There will be a messenger in in that church, and you can't a messenger without a church is just a freelance guy. Okay. So the things in common, save people, again, discipled of God, by the word of God, through the spirit of God, unto servitude, unto God, within the Lord's assembly. Those, those are the primary, excuse me, those are the extensive recipients of this book. So why make all that effort? Why bring all that up? Because there's a lot of people that try to decipher this book and might have some good ideas, but they're not the recipients of this book. If someone's not saved, this book is not written for them. This is written to the servants. Okay? If someone is a saved person, but they're not operating within the Lord's assembly, then likewise they might benefit from it and they might have some good ideas that come out of it. But these things are written, verse 4, chapter 1, verse 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, and extensively those that have like churchness. Church quality, saved, discipled of God, compelled in service by the Spirit of God in a local New Testament authoritative body. The double down on that statement comes in chapter 22, read Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17. The servants. Who are, who are the servants? What are they known as doing? The Spirit and the Bride say, so Paul's before the comma there, the Spirit and the Bride have a similar testimony. Okay? John chapter 15 says that the Spirit would test, the Comforter would testify of him. They come from the, he'd come from the Father and testify of him. So the Spirit and the Bride have the common testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who was commissioned with the testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ? The Lord's assembly. I mean, other every saved person is to tell what great things the Lord has done for them. But the bride is not every saved person. The bride are, is those that have been commissioned specifically to testify of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. Well, who hears? Notice that he says that him that heareth say come. Well, he that hath an ear, let him hear. Right? And he that hath an ear, let him hear what? What the Spirit saith unto the churches. So the Spirit and the bride say come, and let him that heareth say come. And let him that is a thirst come. Well, that one that is a thirst will hear the call of the bride, the, the, the local assembly of, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. That's speaking of salvation. Do you see the, note, the notice on there, that, that final address, as the book of Revelation is closing, there's one more, one more encouragement for the Lord's people. The, 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 the bride, the prospective bride, those are the Lord's assembly who are faithful both to, to, to read and to hear and to keep the things which are written in this book for the time is at hand. This book was thus was shown what John saw. It was shown to give insight into the Lord's coming, but it was shown to give insight of the Lord's coming unto his people, the recipients. Insight to the Lord standing in the middle of those, those candlesticks. 
They are known, again, as seven individual candlesticks, so they're independent of one another. But they all have something in common. What is that? We've said it multiple times. Salvation in Jesus Christ, being discipled or taught of God, led by the Spirit, and in the local assembly as authoritative by Jesus Christ himself. We also have instruction to the churches. He didn't give instruction to the city of Ephesus, and he didn't give instruction into local governments or whatever. He's giving instruction unto his churches. So if someone wants to receive the instruction of those, those seven letters, but they're not operating within the confines of the local assembly, then they've missed something big. And if somebody wants to find great revelation out of verses or chapters 4 through 22, but they're not operating through the Lord's assembly, they've missed something really big. They really have. One thing that they've missed out on, I believe, is a lot of reward. You can read chapter 4 about the crowns that will be cast before the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I believe chapters 2 and 3, if someone reads chapter 2 and 3 carefully, they will understand more about those crowns and they will have more reward uh, throughout eternity, in addition to being part of that bride, as we indicated previously. In chapters 2 and 3, he says, I know thy works to every single group. So there's judgments, there's, there's, there's conviction of sin in chapters 2 and 3. So for someone to be called a servant of God and expect, even, even in the Church of Philadelphia, the, you know, I, I've been told many times that, that in the Church of Philadelphia that there was no, there was no, um, they weren't doing anything wrong. But in Revelation chapter four and verse, chapter three and verse eight, it says, "I know that works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name." He addresses the little pity party there. Oh, we just got a, a little bit of strength. He's saying, "Yeah, I know you got a little bit of strength, but but I also give you the courage to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ." So even in those things, that there, there, there's some, there's some, there's some, some judgments or there's some criticism from the Lord Himself unto all of them, and there's comforts there to every one of them. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saying on the churches. Now we'll get to it. There's one of these churches. There, if you just read it by itself, it's not a very comforting letter. But the comfort is that the Spirit does speak to the churches. Right. Sometimes there might be messages that come uh, from, from the, specifically the book of Revelation, but overall from the word of God. You, we might think, oh, man, what what a hard message. Well, the spirit speaks to the churches through the word of God. Recipients of what? The, of the book of the Revelation. There's judgments. There's comforts. There's exhortations to read and to hear and to keep these things for the time is at hand. So. What would be the purpose of us looking at, and we, we talked about the seven churches before we did it, when we first opened the book and we did it again in chapter in verse 4. Why would we do this a third time? We're not supposed to take our eyes ever off of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the revelation of the Lord's church or the revelation of the bride. Or the revela- it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
The reason that I wanted to bring this up again, and the reason I believe that 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 it, it that it and it seems like from the passage here in chapter one, is to give a an honest look at the importance and, and the and the the sincerity we should take in receiving these things. These are personal things. These are personal matters. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. Taking a personal interest in being recipients of the word of God in reading and hearing and in keeping. Um, there's a lot of times where I'll give the kids some special instructions and I'll say, okay, repeat it back to me. Because I want to know that they that that in my speaking to them that they heard it and that way I can the thing that I want them to do they will do it. I do that to make sure he has these kids that they have a special interest in keeping what has been said. So may God give us a special interest, knowing that extensively or at a, in a broader scale because we have things in common with John who gave these words unto those seven churches we also have in common with them, salvation, being taught of God, being led of the Spirit, in the Lord's New Testament church, that we would be likewise special recipients of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Knowing that just as much as he gave them what they needed by this very book, that he will give us what we need by this very book. As recipients, we should take this book seriously, soberly, and as servants waiting on their master. In the book of Luke, it speaks of those servants that wait for their, their master, and when he knocks, they open immediately. At the coming of the Lord, which seems to be any second now, at the coming of the Lord at the rapture, may we be as servants that read, that, that read hear, and keep this book, knowing that this book was indeed written unto us and preserved by God, unto us that we would keep these things. After the, 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 the instructions to these churches, uh, Laodicea, the letter concludes, you see in chapter 4 and verse 1, After this I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, and said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And after this it starts talking about the tribulation period and the kingdom. So it appears as though the next thing to happen will be heaven open like a scroll, the Lord come, not setting his foot on the earth, but the Lord coming, there'll be a shout from the archangel and a trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be gathered unto the Lord to ever be with him. So comfort you one another with these words. That's what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Until that very hour, just as much as the Lord Jesus Christ said he would be with his people, I believe this book applies to his people in his assembly specifically. Can a saved person read it and get some things out of it outside of the assembly? Yes. Can an unsaved person read this and be terrified? Well, yes. The When... when when this specifically chapter one, the description of the Lord Jesus Christ, I remember in an unsaved condition, someone preaching out of his description over his description and being absolutely terrified at the presence of God. Can God cause the preaching of the book of Revelation to quake 
a child, a, a, a sinner, a rebel into repentance and, and, and salvation by the Spirit of God and draw them unto Jesus Christ. Absolutely, this is the Word of God. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. But specifically, this is written unto his servants in his assemblies, moved by the Spirit. These things are written by the faithful and true. We read that. So if these things are faithful and true, and as recipients... Saved by grace, taught of God in the Lord's assembly, we should, we should consider these things faithful and true. And as we prayed several times this evening, seek the Lord that he would guide us in applying these things into our lives. We should consider the source. Yes, we know that we're the, the extensive recipients, but the source is Jesus Christ himself. Verse 11 excuse me, verse 10, and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and last, and what thou seest write in a book. The Lord Jesus Christ commissioned John to write this. So just as much as he is the source, it is his revelation, then it should be received as such by those who are recipients. I mean, I could write up a, a real fancy letter and sign it at the bottom, George Washington, and mail it to somebody, but you got to consider the source. You know, this, this letter doesn't mean anything because it's really not from George Washington. But as this book is to be received by us, as we, re as we consider every article in it, we're to consider the source. Who's telling us these things and for what purpose? That we as his servants would read it, hear it, and keep it. Simple as that. Sinner, I want you to hear this also, that the time is at hand. It says that in chapter 1, verse 3, the time is at hand. It says that at the close of the book, Revelation chapter 22. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. That sounds like the time is at hand, doesn't it? So knowing that the time is at hand and the end of all things is at hand and the judgment of the Lord is at hand, it makes sense. It makes sense to know the sobriety of the day, that the, the, the reality of the day. Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. I want you to hear something again. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the faithful martyr, the one slain of God, and the first begotten of the dead. He was dead, he was buried, he rose again. And the prince of the kings of the earth. He's, he is he's the king of kings, lord of lords. And to him that loved us. I can't say if God loves you or not, but those that he does love, how does he express it? And wash us from our sins in his own blood. There's exactly one method of salvation, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he died, was buried. He died, and in dying, he shed his blood. He literally sacrificed himself for his people whom he loved. And what that sacrifice of sin did was literally cleanse, ceremonial, ceremonially cleanse before God. He washed us from our sins in his own blood. You ever try to wash something in blood? Blood typically stains. Okay, but washing or cleansing by blood is the only real cleansing that one can ever have. If God is love if God is love and he loves his people, he can only love them by sacrifice. 
and everyone that he died for and washed in his blood is thus loved of God. The problem with man is that we try to whitewash our own sins and we try to, to cleanse our own selves with the works of our hands or whatever. If you're without Christ, that's, your, that's what you're trying to do right now. You have found sufficiency outside of the love of God. You have found sufficiency, so you think, outside of his washing or his cleansing. Well, outside of the washing and cleansing of God, you know what you got? All you have is your works. That's all you got. And I said, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were the dead were judged that all those things which are written in the books according to their works. That's the only difference between anybody that between me and anybody that's going to be judged at that white throne judgment. I will be examined by the cleansing effect of the blood of Jesus Christ. And those that are cast alive in the lake of fire will be judged based on who they are of themselves. There's no difference between me and them other than the blood, the washing, cleansing, effective blood of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of good works that are going to be, that are going to be judged. There's a lot of people that are good, moral, ethical people that will be judged and cast alive in the lake of fire. What's the difference? The love of God expressed and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would encourage you to see the futility, the ruinous end of a life of good works. Is this message perhaps written to you today from the word of God? Well, when John received it, he received it first and foremost as a saved man. If you're to hear these words, it would be because the spirit were to make you alive and teach you of Christ, and teach you of your depravity, and teach you unto salvation, drawing you unto the Lord Jesus Christ. I encourage you to drop all efforts, and all drop all works, and drop all philosophy, and look solely, completely, totally, of the love of God, as expressed in the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, his washing and cleansing atonement, his, the reconciliation from our sins in the blood of Jesus Christ. And may the Lord be pleased to save and disciple and compelled by the Spirit to serve Him in His assembly. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.